0: Hey, Josh.
1: Hey, Nate. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty great. I just had a week of vacation, and uh, life is good. How about you?
1: Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I think we've had our longest break between episodes, but uh, I was away, I think, two weeks prior to that in Ohio for a, a handball tournament. Then it's been the first week of school here in Maryland, so there's been all of those sorts of things uh, for us to get used to on the home front.
0: Yeah, busy stuff. Well, you're, It doesn't look like you have any facial injuries, so I guess the handball tournament went okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't get too many balls in the face. I
1: don't know, can I say that in a podcast? <laughs> uh, anyway, well, yeah, so no too many injuries. Um, I did not win. I was the defending uh, winner pre-COVID, but um, I, I ended up losing to a... Uh, also local player, a player from Virginia that I know. Um, that And uh, so it was nice to at least win to someone you know and someone you practice with and things like that. So
0: that's the silver lining. Yeah, good times, good times.
1: So today uh, we have a guest. Uh, I'd like to welcome Ryan Castillo to the show. Ryan, you want to say hi?
2: Hey, guys.
1: <laughs> uh, Ryan is a friend of the show whose entrepreneurship journey is common yet seldom talked about. Uh, this isn't a founder story of any uh, of a, any sort. We're not talking about a business he's building or things like that, but uh, we brought him on the show because we want to talk more about the dance, the dance that goes on behind the scenes where people are kind of tipping, dipping their toe in and out of entrepreneurship and, and that sort of thing. Um Ryan's built uh, software for businesses as a consultant. He's been a. Uh, I'm assuming you're you're a developer as well. I know you have a development background, uh, professionally, and then um, you're also tying up a recent stint uh, in a non-developer role as a. It's a was it marketing data analyst at a larger corporation.
2: Yep, that's correct. Um, I guess I would kind like of like sum all my ex- experiences is just kind of. Uh, consistently trying to learn new stuff and acquire new skills um at first that was you know finishing up graduate school getting the first job realizing that you know hey i to learn more about development do more professional development leaving that job to do that you know then it's like okay well now we're about running my own consultancy like how do i do sales and marketing for this and then um i did some self-publishing things kind of there some product development stuff and then it became like, okay, well, I'm a developer, like, how do I niche down, um, niche down? And I had like, I think a Salesforce client at the time. And so I kind of said, okay, well, a good development slash niche um, for like a marketing vertical seems to be kind of like profitable. Mm-hmm. So the question for myself at the time was like, how do I learn more about this? And How do I acquire these skills? And that kind of led me into the the corporate job. So,
1: okay. And how long were you there?
2: Uh, I was at the gig for like three years, a little bit over three years.
1: And what what, was that your plan to be there that long?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I don't know if I really had a long-term plan. I think at the time, you know, um, this is again, this is like three or four years ago, um, health insurance was becoming very expensive for a family, my, my family's size is five. And um, again, I wanted to kind of niche down. So I thought like, hey, I'll explore this. I've never worked for a big corporation, a, a thousand plus person company. Um, so I think I always kind of had my eye on like the next steps or the exit. But um, as I was there, I kind of got really comfortable. And so it, I, I think maybe I stayed there longer than I originally anticipated, but not completely sure.
0: Yeah, that's such a common thing. Like I I felt that too in my last job where you just, you, you have all the intentions of moving on, but it just, it just gets so comfortable, right? You get all of these things handed to you, you, you just show up for your nine to five. That's, uh, I think that's such an easy thing to fall into.
2: Right. And then especially after coming off consulting and, you know, doing the the day-to-day consultant work but then also spending a lot of your time doing the administrative work and just kind of like you always feel like you're on alert or hustling or trying to like make the next thing happen um then you you go to the corporate setting and all of that kind of starts to settle down and then I think my first several months is like okay I need to think about what I'm gonna do next I'm gonna think about what, what I'm gonna do next and then then Months or quarters became years, and then all of a Hmm. sudden, I was like, "Man, I've been here for a while." You know, is this what I'm going to be doing for the next ten years? Is this what I'm going to be doing for the next fifteen years? That that's kind of unheard of. So, that's where I found myself.
1: And and that's interesting. Like it's a, uh, you know, your skill set, as I've realized, is not particularly common, right? In terms of people that get into marketing or have an interest in sales and marketing. But also have a, you know, engineering software development kind of a systems mindset. So I think it definitely is a is a uh, very in demand skill set when they come into this. Uh, when you come into like that type pri- that type of setting, um, but you also had a it was a pretty good gig, I would think. Like you, it was all remote, if I recall, and um, so it still worked well with your with your lifestyle. It just wasn't necessarily kind of the the track you were wanting to necessarily go for as long as you ended up, would that be accurate?
2: Yeah, it was. It was a great job. Um, honestly, the only reason why I left is because I got recruited for something else. Um, you know, I I mentioned it earlier, but I was I was kind of like resolving myself to just be there long term. It didn't feel comfortable in some ways, as far as like um, continued growth, as far as like skills, but. Um, yeah, I had resolved to be there, and, and it was an awesome job. Like I, I came from like a marketing group that was like intimate, that you know everyone kind of hustled, worked together. Um, the compensation was great. It was a public company, so I was getting um, restricted stock. Um, I kind of had to leave a bunch of restricted stock on the table when I left. Um, yeah, oh, that so, parachute,
1: <laughs> that yeah, golden parachute. They try to kind of keep keep and, you latched in.
2: Yeah, and they're like everything. There's so many like if we talk about stability and risk, there's so many nice things about just being with a big company. It's just all the costs are literally down. Like, you know, I mentioned health insurance, you know, prior to going on my own, I think, or prior to going back to the corporate world, like health insurance was like 2000 bucks for our family a month. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got the job offer for this previous gig and it was like a hundred bucks and I was like, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) And then now I'm going to like a 20 person company and it's back to like 300. So it's not quite, you know, 2000, but it's still not quite a hundred. So, you know, there, there, there's just so many benefits. I mean, yes, I was there for a while and yes, I was starting to feel uncomfortable, but I just, in so many ways, like personally, it was just, just a really stable situation for my family and I.
1: So what made you start looking per se? Like what, why couldn't have that, what could have that company done to keep you around, or you said the learning kind of stopped? Like what, what do you think was, you know, uh, was something that could have happened a different way if you were to stay on longer?
2: Um, I think there were, there were two things or there were multiple factors. Um, the first of which is, um, it was an intimate marketing group. So I was the data analyst of one, you know, so I was the, the data engineer. Um, I was the integration specialist you know, certain things would happen, um, within the business. And, you know, I had the skill set to kind of fill a lot of different roles. So I kind of found myself in those different types of scenarios, but also it's a big corporation and, um, you know, they have levels and kind of tiers to advancement, um, because I was in a department of one, there wasn't necessarily a ladder or a tier of advancement designed for me, you know, yes, I would get like very um generous rsu bonuses yearly but as far as like hey how do i make it to the director level how do i make it to the vp level how do i make it to these other levels or like how do i get raises um those conversations would be really hard to have unless i went out and like designed my role or or you know designed another or jumped to another department which was they encouraged and was totally doable for me it just seemed like such a hard lift to balance like my day-to-day work with like career advancement within the company, you know, it's just kind of like a lot of red tape to kind of, um, to overcome. And that was, I'm not sure. Well, I'm just going to say, I think a lot of that responsibility fell on me and, um, you know, there was definitely opportunities I could have taken advantage of, but it just, it didn't interest me too. <laughs> so.
1: No, that makes sense. Like usually, uh, you know, they're at, bigger companies and, and more, like you said, diverse teams or, or bigger teams, you would have hopefully had, you know, a manager that was an advocate for, and there was a path for, and there was multiple people and thinking of going from like contributors to managers to subject matter experts. And I think like you're right, like with a a lot of marketing data analyst types of roles, it just fits probably in an odd box, right? Like you became, as my wife would call it, like tech support, like (laughs) for marketing and all these other things, it's like, oh, it's more technical, let's lean on Ryan. But then, you know, maybe that's, that's also like, that's not a path for like, there's, there's not a, like a, I don't know, what's like a beaten down path that kind of makes it easy to go. So you have to be creative and potentially take that into your own hands, like you mentioned we're cross departmentally and it's like, is this worth all these hoops? <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I I could see it being challenging because makes a lot of sense internally with when I'm thinking about referral rock and people here and we try to create paths, but oftentimes there aren't always paths. We try to make that, but we're, we're smaller. We can, we're reaching out to make sure we're retaining talent, but it's probably also easy to get lost within a, Thousand plus person company, you know, regardless of how how good you might be. So,
2: and and that was the kind of getting lost in a, a thousand person company. That that kind of um, was part of it. Why I was considering something else is that um, the impact of your work can kind of get lost, right? Like, there's just so much redundant redundancy in place to just make sure like hey if you fail at what you're doing it won't impact the entire business right um so you know that's a great thing but at the same time it's also like hey if you do something that you're really passionate about and you feel it's really impactful you kind of have to sell it internally and you have to like sell it to a lot of different people to say like hey this is useful like we need to make moves on this and to see so things can kind of move slower um so there were some feelings of that, you know, those are, you know, probably, um, self-imposed. No one really imposed those kind of feelings on me. So, um, if I think if I had stayed, I probably would have just resolved to get over those things and, um, you know, continue to stay. But, um, the other thing that I'll say is, uh, when I mentioned like kind of just red tape and, and trying to like, um, create that ladder for myself, um, it, whenever you start a new engagement, it feels so much easier to kind of define the terms. Like, hey, this is what I want to be paid. This is what I expect to do at this company or in this consulting arrangement. And, um, you know, we're on the same page. It's much harder to kind of like be in the role, like have all the expectations placed on you that you've been performing and doing for like a year or several years. And then just say like, hey, I want to do something completely different. You know, make that happen. So... Mm-hmm um, there was some of that as well. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And you're in a position of strength kind of coming in from, from the outside, right? Like where internally there's like, well, who's going to do your old job, who's going to do this. And is that a risk for the company or a risk for you or some, all these other potential factors that, that are sort of just like grandfathered in or weighing, weighing down by the fact that you, you know, were a well-producing, um, you know, piece of a machine and they're like, okay, well, can't just like move this (laughs) like, and then it's like, okay, to prove yourself, are you doing double the work to prove that? And then you have to train someone and all these other pieces to backfill your piece. And then what if I end up in between, and then that other new role doesn't want me. And now I'm like in limbo. There's all these like factors that go into these that are like real decisions to make.
2: Yeah. And then, I guess the the last piece in all of this was, um, the opportunity that just came along was just something like I just really identified with personally, um, as far as the mission and and stuff like what they were trying to accomplish as a business and, um, you know, they allowed me to kind of define my terms and what my role would be there. So, um, and I've had previous experience with, with that company and, and the people that work there. So it just seemed like a really smooth transition.
1: Okay, cool. Um, Before we move into a little bit more about like, I do want to hear more about how you defined that and kind of what your expectations going into this new role are. But tracking back a little when you said, you know, you wanted to go into the corporate marketing and you've also seen like what indie and bootstrappers and entrepreneurs are doing from the marketing front. So what is that like? What is that What is the big gap? What do you see as the differences and the things you've learned kind of being inside the bigger machine, so to speak?
2: Yeah. So, you know, when you're when you're a founder of one or when you're promoting your product, you know, there's there's this idea of like a million things. There are a million things that I could be doing for my 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 product. You know, either it could be further development, it could be marketing, it could be sales. You know, you begin your day and you're like, which of these things do I choose, you know, it just becomes really overwhelming. And then, you know, and it's, it's also sometimes feels like it's not, it's not very forgivable because you spend a whole day on like a development feature and then you, you beat yourself up at the end of the day, thinking like, oh, I could have spent this time selling, you know, or or getting like four more people to buy this product. Um, When you're at a larger corporation, there's like more room for forgiveness. You know, like you you mentioned, the marketing and the sales and all that that stuff, they're they're machines and they have um, different departments dedicated to the the components of the machine. So um, yes, it's important to kind of sit down and say like, no, I shouldn't, you know, uh, publish this article. I should focus on the CTA or um, there are plenty of things to still say no to, but I guess the the scope of things that you have to say no to are, are drastically shrunken. Um, so you also have the opportunity to kind of like explore more about the particular, um, thing or responsibility you have within like, I guess the marketing group or the sales group or those kind of things. So,
1: okay. So like you get to dig deeper on the intricacies of some, even like, Hey, you can go and work on a hundred iterations of a CTA versus like, uh, an Indie or me or Nate might be like, all right, I got like three, and I'm going to just pick one. And then maybe in a month, if I remember to go back and go and try to look at the differences between how that performed, I might do that. But I also might get pulled into something else. So who knows?
2: Right, right. So like, you know, some of the stuff that I I got involved in were like, um, data enrichment, so that you know, some of our leads were a little bit more qualified for our salespeople to take, like who, who those leads would get routed to. Or I was into like marketing attribution, like, hey, um, you know, we're spending such and such on like an event, we're spending such and such on um, Facebook ads. How do these like impact sales? You know, how do these impact our, our sales funnel? Um, so I, I, I kind of had the opportunity to delve deep deeper into the machine and like these different areas and see... You know what could be done with them so
0: do, do you think that there's any like anything that you would tell your past self back when you were consulting with the knowledge that you have now um, that would have helped you in terms of like sales and marketing
2: yeah um i think i i tended to like really overthink stuff like i really tended to overthink like you know how many times i should edit a a piece of content or how, how I should approach a CTA. And I guess the thought was there was like, Hey, you know, there's someone else at like a big company and they have a department and they're like, you know, thinking this really thoroughly and, you know, they're executing on it. And, um, and, you know, it has to be at that level. And I think I would just kind of like tell myself, like, Hey, you're overthinking this, you know, like there, there are people at these companies that are, are thinking about these things, but it's not, the, the levels are not as drastic as you think. It's not like a, it's not a Canyon that's separating the quality between, you know, someone who's like a, a bootstrapper versus like a corporation. It's, it's much closer, you know? Um, and so it, a lot of it's about like kind of executing and shipping. Um, and you know, when, and the other big difference is like, there's just logistics and planning involved, like in a, a larger group, um, you just have more resources to take advantage of. And so you just want to just be sure that people aren't repeating work or stepping on each other's toes. They're just like, kind of like who working together? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I would kind of like just set the bar for um, you know, expectations from sales and marketing much lower um, because I, I think I was like looking back, I was doing an excellent job.
0: So that's, that's interesting. Cause it sounds, it sounds to me like you're saying that, like the more time you spend polishing your marketing kind of has diminishing rates of return, as well as all the corporate structure you have to work through.
2: Yeah. Well, there's to an extent, to an extent, like um, it, it depends on the thing, right? Like content and, you know, SEO, those are like more forgiving. You know, they, you know, you'll, you'll just have thousands of eyes on those kind of things. Something like a webinar or um live events those things like you really have to have those polished you know like those are like because i guess it depends on the level of marketing it it depends how close it is to the final sale so like for say something like an event or like a web event that is closer to like kind of closing the deal or pitching pitching a particular product you do want to like be sure that's really polished and so i you know i i speak very highly of like our webinar team you know, at the last gig and I, like our events team there, they just, they they were like a well-oiled machine and the attention to detail and the quality of like what they put out there was, you know, kind of hard to match from a, a bootstrapper level. But yeah, so th- those details are important, but I, I guess I would I, I would say that there, there could be diminishing returns as, as you kind of like try to polish it, you know, over and over.
1: Right, would you say that, you as a when you were doing things on your own, tended to over polish as a uh, and and get too much into the details. So that's kind of what you were telling yourself that that hey, there's a point there's a point of diminishing returns at least for an indie hacker or uh, a solo a solo entrepreneur. but at the same time in a bigger corporate environment, there's a lot of other factors at play, and there's also like the factors of people and divisions of labor and people taking ownership and different angles in there, in addition to just at scale, right? So that little change of CTA copy um, to Nate making a, you know, 5% incremental improvement, but spent two days trying to make that 5% incremental improvement was probably not worth his time where there were bigger, more impactful things he could have been doing. Um, But then in a corporate one, where you're putting, you know, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in ads and things like that into this one um, landing page with a CTA, and getting that five percent lift actually can make a, a a difference at that at that scale.
2: Yeah, I think in both environments, and I guess one lesson again, like listening to you guys speak about it, is just there's way more room for error than people consider. You know, there's just. know there are things that you might think will be the end of your product or might be like a non-starter but there's like a a lot of it's just about kind of shipping and getting the stuff out there um or like talking to the people for sales or just like marketing and stuff like that it's just you know it's it's more about just like continue to ship than it is to like continue to polish okay
1: how much more did you learn about that so what did you learn in there that you didn't know before, or you come out of the other side, aside from this, this one, but like within corporate marketing and sales, like how big a gap was there that got filled um, that you got new knowledge of kind of from being internal, being able to see like outbound and some other things, all these bigger machine mechanics that are about scaling and operations and execution uh, consistently, I would assume um, you probably got to see that in a way that, you know, previously from the outside thinking of a independent, you, you didn't get as much access to.
2: Yeah. I think that, um, I don't, I can't remember the article. I I think I have it somewhere, but like one of the top tweets in the article about marketing is just like marketing is just all about managing spreadsheets. It's like (laughs) 90% logistics and planning and then 10% just execution. So like you're in a spreadsheet the entire day, like saying, okay, you know, this is, we're gonna have, we're gonna have this event here, you know, we're gonna have these attendees. This is gonna be, you know, the booth set up. This is gonna be like all these other things and it's all this planning and it's just for like literally a two day event. And stuff like that so you spend weeks and weeks on end planning and the same thing with like content like hey okay you know maybe we'll get this agency to like do this research on these um keywords that we wanted to um to write content about okay like now we have the keywords that we want to target now we need to produce the content and then you know then we just publish it you know so there's like so many logistics and steps and stuff like that and you know um I guess I just didn't realize, you know, the gap between planning and just execution. Um, and so that's why, like, you know, I think there's a lot of bootstrappers out there that are just all about the execution and they just like refine that muscle. And that's why they tend to be, you know, fairly successful in the bootstrap world just because they're just constantly shipping and they're just constantly getting their marketing out there and stuff like that. And just getting not too bogged down in the, the logistical sides of things. So they're kind of like playing to their strengths. You know, some some people, it might take, you know, two hours to produce a piece of content. Some people, it takes several days. And, you know, um, like in bootstrapping, you just kind of got to play to those strengths. Whereas in a corporation, you just have departments of people that are strong in those areas. So.
1: Great. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about, so this you made this dream role. Um, what, what, what what's this dream role what are you trying to do what's your what are your goals kind of for your this next step in your uh in your path
2: sure so um the company that i'm going to work for um we sell software to uh um that does selection and assessment for groups of people who put themselves in High risk scenarios. So, um, a lot of hostage, re- hostage rescue teams, teams involved in close quarter combat, and, and those kind of things. And so, um, those are like the highly specialized groups of people. We eventually kind of want to branch out to like, you know, different all levels of the military and then, you know, also to the municipal level, like police forces and, you know, um, firemen, stuff like that. So, um, there's like social impact that's one thing that really motivated me there. And then mm-hmm. within the role itself is um, they don't, they have um, a business dev side, but they don't really have a marketing side. So the, the challenge for me is to kind of come in there and see like, you know, how do we sell to fed because fed mm-hmm. has its own different kind of like constraints to selling to, and how do we like kind of crack open that problem? So they'll continue to take on kind of take advantage of, you know, me being like a unicorn of like someone who does dev work, who does marketing, mm-hmm. who sells and stuff like that. But um, that's the eventual goal is like, how can we, um, you know, apply marketing to kind of their current business setup and, and see if it, it provides some rocket fuel to, to kind of have that revenue shoot up, so. Nice. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, sounds like, so yeah, from a, from a, you mentioned fulfillment earlier. So I think that sounds like that checks that box. Um, Also, you know, you get to kind of impact a smaller business as well as like use some of these marketing skills you've, you've seen at scale and like, now how can I apply it to uh, a new problem with a different lens and see what I can kind of conjure up together to, to make it more successful? Exactly. All right. Uh. Yeah, rounding up. We've chatted before about some of your side projects. I think here and there. Um, kind of. Do you do you still tinker around? Do you have some other side side things that you're you're open to chat about? Or I don't know if you have any anymore. I know we've chatted about a couple in the, you know, in the past couple years.
2: It, I think that's that. That was the thing that um, um, being at the large corporation for the last several several years. I, I think I just kind of closed off my mind to you know a lot of those opportunities but for some reason this morning like when i woke up like today was like my first day of between the gigs um actually i guess it's the third day counting the weekend but i was like oh man like this would be like a cool like app idea or this that side of my brain that i kind of turned off for a little while kind of opened up a little bit so you know i'm just I'm just exploring, you know, I'm taking two weeks off between, you know, the jobs to kind of just chill out and relax, spend time with family. So there might be opportunities there. But aside from that, I do do some consulting where there are some other people within our group um, where they just need someone, you know, with my mindset to kind of like consult as far as like, hey, what should we do next for like marketing or what should we do for dev? You know, like kind of having a pair to kind of look at the million things at the beginning of the week to take care of and see like, what is, what is the thing that will kind of give us the the biggest ROI? So I still do a little bit of that. Okay,
0: cool. Nate, did you have any other
1: questions for Ryan?
0: No, that was great. That was so, uh, that was so cool to hear your story about being at a bigger company and whatnot. Uh, I can really resonate with a lot of things you're saying there. And that's a lot of the reasons that I left, uh, the company I was at before too. To, to go out on my own so i think that's really cool
1: yeah cool well thanks ryan for coming on the show and uh, best of luck on your new gig and yeah definitely get some r&r in this two weeks who knows maybe you'll spin up some new some new little idea over the next two weeks no pressure
2: <laughs> <laughs> i know who I have to reach out to yeah I, I i need to build up my uh my, uh, assets as you're always. To people,
1: so. <laughs> cool.
0: Awesome. Thanks again. All right, Bye. All right thanks, guys. thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at searching for SAS on Twitter. That's searching the number four SAS or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week.